Welcome back to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this uh, Tuesday morning. Tuesday, the the 19th of December is today's date. And I'd like to welcome back on the program the one and the only Andrew Dambina. Andrew, good to speak to you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Governor? (laughs) I'm I'm doing very well, thank you, Governor. (laughs) Oh, interesting way of saying it, Noreen. That's Hmm. right. Um, I thought you you were clearing your throat there for a moment. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> no, no, I was saying the word governor in, in, a, in a silly way because it's the holidays upon us soon. So excited about that, sort of. Um, but Andrew, yeah. you sent over a couple of interesting photos and I just want to say I posted them on the Facebook page already. Noreen cool. Mir on RTHK Radio 3. Uh, they are interesting, especially the one with the eyes. <laughs> yeah. OK, now this is a bit UK centric, but uh, we are able to see different programs from around the world and i'm not sure if some of the global streaming services include uh some of the programs by one of the home cooks but a home cook often shows um the very best ways to cook things nigella lawson from the uk and she's a celebrity over there but i wonder and i don't know whether she has been exported very much people certainly i used to get the uh um the, the hong kong uh, when it was uh, a cable tv uh, company that, that that had bbc lifestyle uh, a channel here and she did appear on those so maybe our listeners will be familiar mm. even if they're not from the uk or haven't spent any time there with nigella lawson so she's this she comes across in her programs many years ago decades ago when she started i think she was seen as a little bit of a vixen in the kitchen and um, the kitchen she goddess was, yeah she's a yeah, hottie she, she's a hottie well yeah and also also she did speak with a very husky voice you know that was part of her commentary and she was she was kind of um yeah but she uh but but she also is a very good cook and can explain how to do things at home in a non-professional kitchen because a lot of the programs that we see of course on on tv about food are you know the the pro chefs shouting and screaming kitchen stuff like that but which is the last thing that she ever does so she's about to have in the uk no surprise in that country because she is so well known there a christmas special and uh, it's going to be on the BBC. Uh, I don't know if this will be available or aired on streaming services around, as I say. You'll have to check that if you're interested, listeners. But um, she will... That's, that's this Thursday of this week. She's going to be in a, in a TV special uh, from Amsterdam, of all places. Uh, I say of all places <laughs> because, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what recipes uh, happen over England for Christmas time. But... That's not why I'm uh, why I sent you a picture of her. I sent a picture which was promoting that that program that's happening on uh, on Thursday about an Amsterdam Christmas. However, because on the back of that, there have been loads of reports in UK press over this weekend, and I uh, and I read one in the Sunday Times, sorry Saturday Times uh, lifestyle section, and uh, it was interesting. She gives some insight, so I want to share this with you and the listeners. Uh, some rules that she sets herself to make a good Christmas dinner, and I happen to know that you may be. Um, entertaining a little bit this Christmas, Noreen. So it could be some good tips for you here. Mm. Um, so th- this is this is what she says. A couple of rules that she's got. It, you have to accept that uh, whether you're doing the you know the traditional roast turkey or whatever other sort of um, uh, Christmas 
dinner with the trimmings in a traditional Western way or not, or, or goose as it used to be. Some people prefer chicken. What about you, Noreen? Do you normally, before I get into these tips, do you, do you kind of subscribe in your household generally to have this traditional Western, um, you know, seasonal Christmas-like dinner, or do you do that normally? Yeah, um, in recent years, yes, because my husband insists on getting like a Christmas ham and doing yeah. that, you know, all, all, all that. Um, but, mm. you know, usually, I, I, usually when I was growing up in Hong Kong, we just had Chinese food, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. No, I mean, of course, of course, it really does depend on the... Uh, you know the, the the cultural background of your of your family. But I did um, remember growing up and 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 thinking, oh, it'd be so fancy to have you know one of those like you know roast chicken or, or something because we mm. didn't have an oven growing up you know, in yes, in Chinese exactly. household. We don't really cook with ovens. So I remember mm. my mum would take us to a fast food chain, a well known one that begins with the c- yeah. the letter C, and you would right. um you you could get like a a, a a spring chicken, like a little roast chicken, and just share yeah, between the yeah. two, and and it was a good price. I think it was like yeah, $60. Yeah, that's right. Rotisserie chicken. Yeah, they're, 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 they're a good way to go for people without ovens. <laughs> and, um, well, same, same. I mean, when I first moved to Hong Kong decades ago, um, you know, places weren't really, uh, well, a lot of places, depending on the area, but generally they weren't equipped with uh, with, with ovens and, uh, and so on. I think that's become, I think people have become a little more open to um, to different types of, cuisine experimenting over the decades it seems like that to me and i'm I'm talking about people i'd say of course more middle class people who can afford to get a bit of kitchen equipment would have at least a uh, a countertop cooker which um you know which which a very small chicken could be cooked in but uh anyway a couple of rules here from nigella lawson the domestic chef um, who is big on the screens in the UK and sometimes beyond, is that um, whether it is the traditional Christmas dinner or not, I'm just adding that bit myself, because, you know, whatever people are having, it's about entertaining a big group of people. So we've got a lot of days off, a lot of people, most people, during the Christmas and New Year holidays, as there will be again for Chinese New Year, and it probably applies to both, which is to accept that you cannot get everything cooked at the same time. So if you have... Uh, you probably know this, uh, Noreen, from your own um, not tiny family, that you can't always get all courses to the table in time. And so she's saying, do not worry if everything is not hot. It just can't be. And I think back mm. to festive dinners that I've had, whether it was when I grew up, which sometimes having the kind of uh, the Christmas dinner, which uh, family and friends did a lot. We always ended up sort of either hosting or going to this this kind of dinner. Things aren't hot, especially in a colder country. And, you know, it's chilled down a bit now in Hong Kong, hasn't it? So keeping things warm on the plates, whatever you're having, whether it's something completely different from the turkey and stuffing and ham and, and everything else, um, just, just accept and enjoy it. I'm saying this only because a lot of her programmes, the reason she even mentioned this, I think, is that if you look back on some of the cookery programs, which I saw decades ago, she seems to be that everything is perfection and it goes to the table, piping hot, steaming, you know, with, with whatever she's serving. But she's just saying, you know, just don't even bother trying for this. As long as the plates and the gravy are hot, you're winning, she says. That's if you're going for the traditional stuff. Um, a great second rule from her is make sure that you have someone at the table that your family doesn't know well enough um, to behave badly in front of if you can. And that's quite a humorous one. It's got nothing to do with food. It has to do with the vibe in the room. 
that if you have someone that your family don't know, they might not kind of get a bit um, as, uh, what should we say, uh, as, as, as sort of difficult as, as they can be sometimes. You know, families, groups that are very close together can uh, certainly in some uh, uh, situations kind of press, press the buttons that, uh, that, the, the, that you don't want to have any sort of tension at the table. So that's, that's one. So um, she goes back to this thing about um, uh, the, from what we started off with, don't worry about the temperature of things. She then goes on to say, don't get too perfectionist whenever you're having a gathering. Now, this, apply, this would apply to any entertaining at home dinner party or anything at this festive time of the year or, as I said, Chinese New Year when people have big gatherings sometimes at home as well. And uh, she, uh, she says her advice is to ask yourself, what is the worst? worst that can happen and she and she normally answers herself um that the failure of a dish isn't the worst thing in the world it's not life-threatening i tell myself this is a <laughs> from her and uh it, it's entirely um something that can happen and whatever you cook isn't entirely in your control um so that, that means that things can turn out badly even if you follow recipes and so on so just enjoy the process and don't fret about it now it's kind of stressful though because if you follow it to the t and it still doesn't yeah, come doesn't out yummy out. i know and yeah. you've got mouths to feed it's like i've messed Maybe up the bolognese yeah, yeah, you, 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 you've got mouth to feed, you've got little children who look up and idolise their mummy there, Noreen. Um, <laughs> perhaps you have relatives visiting from abroad yeah. who think, um, you know, who, 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 who you might think could be judging your every dish. Um, but no pressure. Um, she says, just don't worry about it. It's yeah. not the end of the world, Noreen. <laughs> she, she also says, um, back to the Christmas uh, feast, um, skip starters. To, to avoid obscene overindulgence because people may be too full from rich food to enjoy the main course. Oh, so the, that's the, a good it, point. it's a really basic it's a basic tip, but it's just one to bear in mind. If you haven't yet got your menu sorted out, listeners, um, you know, just do, do give think them about, a really small starter. You know, how sometimes when you yeah. go to a restaurant and they and you order meatballs for your mm -hmm. starter and they give you like literally one meatball with a few leaves yeah. and then you think oh gosh i'm really hungry because otherwise sometimes yeah she's right sometimes you do have a starter and you're quite full already you're like oh that's a starter it's funny you should mention that noreen because i remember uh, actually having a meal with your good self where we had a colossal meatball so for a starter oh, yeah, um, that's which, right. was, which was a, which was a rich type of beef yeah. and uh, which we were did full. actually <laughs> yeah, it did actually spoil the main course a bit in terms of just being a bit too full, didn't it? Yes. So that's um, right. Um, and she also goes on uh, etiquette comes into this when you're entertaining. We've already mentioned about having the person at the table to avoid. You know, that's not that easy. You don't want to add a, a random stranger, not stranger, but someone you're not close to necessarily. But here's another one. Um, I will never be a tidy person, she says. This is in the Times interview with Nigella Lawson at the weekend. Um, I. Uh, I do want things to be um, not in a mess, but I put my emphasis on the cooking, and if there's a bit of clutter around, it doesn't matter. So that's, you know, okay, now, she's living in the UK. We're in Hong Kong, where most people don't have loads of space. Um, <laughs> a little bit of clutter one. is like, oh, I can't yeah. move my legs. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Or, or they're all 
sort of cupboard or storage space in the, wherever the dining is going to happen, the living slash dining area um, in, in most Hong Kong flats are um, are chock full with stuff. So so don't so don't give yourself pressure is what she's saying with a lot of these things and. Um, Never go, uh, never go out with, um, never go. Sorry, she says this is an interesting one, a fun one. If you're a guest going to someone else's place, never go out without something to eat on you. Um, that's because if portions are not served that are big enough when when she goes out to eat, um, she has something on her, a bit of food, a food items that she can eat on the way home. Um, that's that's the kind of <laughs> if you're feeling surprising. peckish or something. Yeah, in case, in case, in case, yeah. in case, either. I think it's all about etiquette again. In case they haven't served enough, and she's too shy to ask for more from people. You know, if you're going somewhere where you're not um, that close with people, and you kind of don't want to be seen as being too much of a um, glutton. Um, so that's that, that's what she's saying there. Um, so th- those are just a few of the points. There were many more, um, but I'm just watching the time and realising that we that we want to get into some other things as well, Laurie, today. And the, I was going to go into something else that didn't that doesn't have pictures, but I think I'll save that till the end. While we're talking about festive things, I'll go on to what was going to be the last item, which is actually no, I won't. I'll go back. Okay, there's a, there's been a study. I'll end with something Christmassy so we can bracket it with things like that. Um, there's been a study, and I try and do this sometimes when I can get some good data about trends that have been happening, either trends predicted for the new year or, or trends that have been um, noted by, by research companies for the year. And I'm gonna, it's going to be the latter now. There is a, um, a study that's been done by Allied Market Research, an international market research company, about the top five food and drinks trends of the last quarter of 2023, which is right where we are now. Mm. We're towards the end of that quarter. So a couple of these touch on points that we have heard about before. However, listeners may not have heard that. And also it just reinforces that these things are, in, are very important in manufacturers and consumers' minds. So... Um, This, once again, is the top five food and drinks trends of the last quarter of 2023, and it's from Allied Market Research. Um, So the first one is the uh, rising cost of raw materials are affecting everyone for the price of uh, food and food products. So innovating, innovating through upcycling is something that food producers are doing. So as I, as I mentioned, the raw materials have gone up in price for various reasons over the last couple of years. Um, the, you know, post-COVID, Ukraine war, all of these different things that have made raw materials. We've touched on those elements in previous uh, reports. It seems like it's been going on forever that, 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 you know, that we've been talking about that a good few years now because of COVID sort of messing up logistics systems, which had put prices up and so on, of course, shortages. Um, also, that the harvests and global warming have had effects sometimes on crop production, where there have been um, fires that have sort of devastated uh, produce that have been grown or even livestock. So, so there are a lot of reasons for the cost of raw materials going up. Also, the energy costs of transporting these, they go on and on. But because prices have gone up, to combat this, companies have turned to upcycling, which is a process that involves reusing um, leftover 
ingredients or what would sometimes end up being thrown away, waste materials, to create valuable food ingredients. Um, so this is something that is going on and companies are talking about it. In America, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, a few different departments, official departments, the Department of Agriculture and the Environmental uh, Protection Agency of the U.S. are introducing new initiatives, and they've been doing this just in this last quarter of the year to combat food waste in the industry's supply chains so that you don't get stuff that is spoiled on, uh, in transport. Um, there's also a growing demand for eco-friendly and sustainable products, um, which is expanding the upcycled um, mentality for food producers because the consumer is wanting to not know, hear, or believe that there is waste going on when things can be used. So that means that rinds are being used more in cakes and uh, uh, other, other food products that where, you know, where rinds that would normally be thrown away. Skins don't, can't be used so much because they deteriorate, but, uh, but some of those citric fruits that which, um, which had not been fully utilized. Of course, you know, clever folk do buy them up and put them in mar marmalades. I'm talking about producers, but more and more of this is going on in, uh, in, in sweetened products around the world as well. Next point, commitment towards sustainable packaging which shows more environmental responsibility. So packaging, it's been a talking point for a long time. We've talked about it before, how sometimes imported uh, confectionery or food products, especially from Japan traditionally, who have kind of um, addressed this a bit now, used to have tons and tons of packaging. And so this is still a big concern and something that both manufacturers and consumers are taking into consideration for the release of products from manufacturers and what people buy um, and feel comfortable buying packaging. Another one is um, an increased demand, which is more of a trend for ready-to-drink alcoholic beverages. And um, so that is something that occasionally we talked about. In America, they, they have these... Um, uh, a lot of what, what some people in the UK call alco pops in America, they're called hard seltzers. And it's basically sweet drinks, which the downside is they can appeal to teenagers a bit too much because they're kind of like ready sweetened. to go. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think we used to have uh, that WK. Oh, no, what's it? D WK. No. That's WD-40. That's, so that's not WD-40. No, yeah, it's WK-52. <laughs> I don't remember. Gosh, I'm so old now. I mean, I'll, well, I'll Google that. Um, uh, yeah, those alcohol mm. pops. Um, um, I think Smirnoff Ice as well. Yeah, there are, lots, there, there, are lot, there are lots, actually. If you look at supermarkets in Hong Kong as well, a lot of them do exist. Um, I'm going to go through the headlines of the last ones because I'm keeping an eye on the time and I want to go to something very quickly at the end. Uh, responsible sourcing and transparency to meet consumer expectations. Again, we've talked about this more where things come from, even right down to the farms that they come from, not just the country, and uh, more information on whether they are fed on what, if it's, if it's livestock, corn, grass, whatever. Um, food and beverage industry is uh, adapting to all sorts of evolving demands. Um, so I won't go on with that one. Just a real quick mention. If it's Christmas time, you know it in Hong Kong because you see a lot of panettone around. Yeah, have you, have you seen much of yeah. that around? I mean, it's like it's that fluffy in... Italian Christmas bread. 
Yeah, do you yes. like it? Or what do you think? Have you tried it? Yeah, I have. Um, I've tried a really nice one, and I've tried a really dried one, so I, I, I can't yeah. tell. So yeah. I, I don't Actually, really know what, what they're supposed to be like, the dry version or the, or the slightly oh, fluffier one. Uh, so my hot tip is do not get smaller ones because they always dry out really, really quickly. So, um, but, right. however, they are quite expensive and they can go up to about $300 plus if you get a larger one. So, but those ones stay more moist. And I think it's really down to that. The same companies, the same bakeries that make them try the smaller ones, it'll be drier than the bigger ones. But it's just that they are a bit dry. They're very airy and they don't have, they're not like a Christmas cake that is super moist and has a lot of, you know, alcohol in it, which, uh, which keeps it further moist. Um, but there is a trend for them in Europe of having many different versions, chocolate versions and all sorts. And you're beginning to see a few of these in Hong Kong. What you're not seeing, though, I don't think that I've seen around yet, are the vegan ones uh, and the gluten-free ones. So we could do with more of those over here, suppliers. And I will probably leave that there. I, although I've got to say, when I have a panettone, I actually quite enjoy having it for breakfast, just uh, uh, which rather than as a tea time thing, because it's really just feels seasonal, some of those flavours. I'm going to leave it there, Noreen. Excellent. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for your time today and wishing you and your family a very Merry Christmas. And you'll be... And you'll be in next week uh, for, for three days on the programme. You'll be hosting brunch. Indeed, I will. I'll be right uh, here in the, uh, the, the slot that Noreen is, is usually in from the 27th to the 29th. So, uh, yeah, look forward to talking to the listeners then. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. Until next time. Bye for now. Merry Christmas. And to you and your family. Bye.